Welcome to Inside the Match, where Alex and Simone talk residency applications. We are two residents here to help you navigate the match. For each podcast, we'll bring you residents from various specialties and backgrounds to give advice. So today we are super excited to talk all about the couples match with David and Kate, who are going to tell us all about their experience with the interview process and then making their rank order list. So thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. So tell me a little bit about where you are both in residency and what specialty each of you are in. I am a pediatrics resident. I am at the Boston Combined Residency Program in Pediatrics, uh, BCRP for short. Um, It is at Boston Children's Hospital and Boston Medical Center. We practice and rotate at both institutions. Yeah, and then I am uh, an orthopedic surgery resident in the Harvard Combined Orthopedic Residency Program, uh, or H-Corp, and we rotate at Mass General Hospital, Brigham and Women's Hospital, Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center, and Boston Children's Hospital. Well, you are both at two very competitive places for your own individual specialties. And so we are so excited to be able to learn from you about how this process went. So when you couples match, you get your own interviews. And something that's super important about the process is the overlapping programs or cities that you interview in. So how many overlapping programs or cities did you guys have in common? That's a really, really important question. Um, I think overall, we had 20 programs, quote unquote, overlapping, but we had kind of more combinations than 20. So for example, I interviewed at three places in Boston and David interviewed at three places in Boston. So we had essentially nine combinations that we could do. So we ended up coming up with essentially 60 combinations uh, in our rank order list that were in the same city. And I think that's an important point just to to stress, and you brought it up a little bit as well, Simone, is that while the institution itself can be a quote-unquote pairing, being in a city or having that discussion about, you know, whether being in that same city or being in the region and pairing those as as part of your rank order match when you make your couples rank list, um, I think is an important consideration and something that we certainly focused on uh, when we were applying to places, trying to optimize the amount of interviews each of us got in each city and, and area that would be uh, that we considered reasonable for both of us to travel to daily. And let's say that Kate got an interview in St. Louis, Missouri, and she is super excited about it. But let's say, David, you don't end up with an interview in St. Louis for orthopedic surgery. What is a way for David and for you, Kate, to be able to contact your individual program directors in those specialties in order to coordinate or request an interview from the other specialty for your partner? Yeah, absolutely. So that also... um you know, is, is a challenging aspect of the couples match. And one of the things we really focused on was both what we could do individually and then what we could seek guidance from our mentors uh, about as well. And so from our personal point of view, we always were very uh, straightforward and, and honest about the couples match. We think that's really important because you're, you know, you're taking this life step together. And one of the things you want to do is is continue your growth as a, as a future physician, you know, hand in hand. And so we always, if uh, if one of us had an interview in a, in a place where the other one didn't, we would reach out to our coordinators, uh, respectively. So if Kate got the interview, she would reach out to the 
the coordinator that she uh, had been in contact with to schedule the interview and maybe the program director and then suggest that, hey, we we are very interested in this place. Like, I love the program that that you have in pediatrics. And my partner, David, is applying to orthopedics. Unfortunately, hasn't gotten an interview. Is there any way to discuss um, possibly getting him an interview or what would that process look like? And then from my point of view, I would do the same. And I would reach out to the program and, and reshare my interest in training at that program with the hope that kind of of the meeting of the minds, we would both get interviews in, in, a, in a reasonable um, time frame that would allow us to really consider that location as a training uh, potential for both of us. Pretty much 100% of the residencies that we we emailed or reached out to really value, you know, like your outside life from residency. And so if we made it clear that, you know, I'm coming to this place with my partner, people were super supportive of that and would try their, their best to get us mutual interviews. And now I'm really curious, did that always work or were there some interviews in which the other person didn't get one and then you were interviewing at a program that you would be less likely to actually go to? That would come down to mentors also uh, <laughs> reaching out on our behalf saying, hey, you know, David's very interested in program X, Y, or Z and his partner has a, as an interview there. Despite our best efforts and our mentors' best efforts, it was not always the case. I think Kate will tell you that Pediatrics interviews tend to be, uh, our season was in person. I'll, I'll, I'll preface it with that. And Kate's interviews started much earlier than even orthopedic interview invites went out. And so that put us in a little bit of a predicament. And there were certainly uh, places that Kate visited that I never actually got an interview at. And so it, it did not always work, unfortunately, but I think it did work in a handful of cases. And ultimately, um, you know, I think being honest, straightforward and, and really tackling this challenge uh, together is something that helped us succeed ultimately. And I think that's really helpful for people to know that you might do everything as recommended, like sending these emails to coordinators and program directors. And sometimes it doesn't work in your favor, but maybe that's not the best place for both of you to end up. There are lots of other programs and opportunities that may just be a better fit. And so you've mentioned the fact that it is very important to talk about the couples match and discuss the fact that you do have a partner applying to another specialty or maybe even the same specialty in some cases. So what tips do you have for actually talking about the couples match during the actual interview day? I mean, I would say number one, definitely put it on your ERAS. Um, we actually talked to a lot of people and actually had like the thought of not putting it on our ERAS, thinking it was going to hinder one or the both of us. And we've actually had people reach out to us and ask personally if they should include it. So number one, for sure, yes, you do not, you know, want to quote unquote lie to the programs by not including that important piece about yourself. And so you kind of should start there. And then, you know, in the interview process for me in pediatrics, my interviews were very, you know, conversational and they really just wanted to get to know me as a person. And so even if they didn't ask straight out, you know, David would come up in one way or the other because he is, you know, a huge part of my life. And, you know, it would come up that he was in medicine and then I would include that he was couples matching. And, and most people took that in a really, really great way. You know, you know, some of my interview interviewers had partners in medicine as well. And so we kind of bonded over that or, you know, um, some of them, you know, we're like, oh, I know so-and-so in orthopedics. Let me try to reach out for you or, you know, so I, I would say that it's, yeah, uh, very beneficial and 
I, I have found nothing but positivity from talking about it during my interviews. And you mentioned that pediatrics tends to have a lot of conversational components to the interview, but that's not to say that is also the same for all of orthopedic surgery interviews from what I've heard, David. So either David or Kate, do you guys have examples of any sort of tough questions that you may have been asked either about the couples match, about your partner, or even just in general about the field or just a, a weird question that you were asked along the way? Thinking back to some of the, like the interesting questions and maybe some of the challenging um, scenarios uh, we were placed in, in the sense that after the fact, we're like, oh, did we answer this correctly? Did we do what we should have? Did we say what we should have said or, or whatnot? I think a couple that come to mind initially are tell me more about yourself. It is incredibly commonly asked and it is a perfect example of a question where you can just meander and get off track and all of a sudden ramble into a, a scenario where you don't know where, how you got there. And then the interviewer doesn't know how you got there. And it's just a very awkward experience. So I think both of us had a very simple, straightforward tell us about yourself uh, answer. And I think that's a really critical step in the interview process because that is almost universally asked. And then for me, honestly, one of the questions that I frequently got asked and had to develop a, a strong answer for, in my opinion, was why did I get a dual MD and an MBA? And that question came up all the time because one of the major elements of a residency training program is they want to uh, train clinicians of tomorrow, um, or in my case, um, you know, an orthopedic surgeon wants to practice medicine and, and practice in the OR and see patients. And that was a challenging question to answer because they're trying to see if you truly want to practice medicine. And I think from my point of view in a dual degree, I had an answer, but I think this is universal. I think knowing why you chose the field you want to go into, having a very clear cut answer for that, and then always looping back all of your interests and all of your hobbies and why you might've sought a dual degree or why you might've taken a year off and Explain how that loops back to why I want to be in whatever specialty that you're applying into is really important. It's very hard for an interviewer. So for example, my answer always tailored back. I wanted to get an MBA in order to better understand the business and policy aspects of healthcare so that I could both advocate for my patients and my future co-orthopedic surgeon. It is very hard for an interviewer to come back to me and say, well, I hate my colleagues and I don't want to care about patients better. <laughs> and so it, it, it kind of took them off, off their feet and they said, oh yeah, that sounds like a reasonable reason to do that. And so that to me is how all kind of those similar questions and answers should loop back around into why you want to do it and how that impacts patients and your future colleagues. And it's very hard for someone to have a comeback that then surprises you. I think my toughest question, honestly, was uh, related to David. I got asked a lot if he was competitive in some sort of way. They were like, tell me about David, you know, and they're truly searching to see, like, you know, is he going to be a competitive orthopedic surgery applicant? And so I, just like myself, kind of prepared a little script of like, you know, a tell me about yourself. I kind of prepared something for David, kind of highlighting everything you know, he has done and um, uh, how competitive he truly could be. And, you know, I didn't throw out like, oh yeah, he's gotten interviews, you know, we're really happy. But I, I 
came up with some sort of answer as to the fact that David had the potential to get an interview at that institution. You know, I never kind of let it uh, not be a question. That is so interesting. It is so valuable to think about, especially when someone is applying to a competitive specialty like orthopedic surgery and they are your partner, that you may be asked questions about them and you have to be comfortable with how much information you want to provide. And so that might be something to discuss with your partner prior to the interview. We did that a little bit after I got asked for the first time. <laughs> the first time is always the hardest. I know. <laughs> <laughs> that's definitely true. And, and, and one of the things that's always interesting as well is there were a number of institutions thinking back now that Kate had already interviewed at. And then I got an interview and the chair or the program director would reach out prior to my interview and say, so how did Kate like her time here? Like, did she enjoy it? Did she find that she'd be a good fit? Did, yeah. What are you, what are both of you thinking? There are a couple places in particular that I can think of where that happened. And it was a very, um, it, it's walking a fine line because you haven't even interviewed or in my case, I hadn't even interviewed yet. And they're trying to get a better sense of if we're truly serious because Kate's already had her experience and clearly, or at least in our opinion, there was some talking behind the scenes that we weren't privy to. And it was a very uh, interesting kind of dynamic in that way. That is such an important point that you guys both made about this process that yes, you are the applicant applying for the position, but you also have someone who's applying at that same institution and people talk. It's a very small world at a lot of these institutions. And so after the interview day, people always wonder whether or not they should send a thank you note. And my view is that a thank you note should be sent because it's a sign of professionalism and whether or not it impacts the rank list, it likely doesn't. But I'm wondering from your perspective, did you guys send thank you notes? And also, did you incorporate that couples match piece into the thank you note? I tend to agree with you. I think both of us would agree with you that yeah. thank you notes, I agree, are a sign of professionalism. It is a very interesting time in the sense that there were certainly institutions that said, oh, you don't need to send them or please don't send them. Yeah, absolutely. And it was one of those very awkward I know this may not make a difference, but in my mind, you took your time out to you know, of your busy clinical schedule or OR schedule or teaching schedule or what have you to interview me. Um, so I, I still think it's a, an appropriate thing to do. And frankly, I think that programs should get away from recommending don't send thank you notes. I think you let- Just let them do what they want to do. Yeah, yeah. I think it puts- <laughs> It puts students who are really just trying to put their best foot forward in a precarious and unnecessarily precarious and uncomfortable situation when they truly just want to be professional and, and do what, frankly, every other industry does. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, I would do thank you notes. Kate would also do thank you notes. Thank you emails. Emails. I always try to make them personalized. For sure. So I would try to take something that I heard that day or knew about the program or had a conversation about somebody with and tried to highlight it. I think that's really important because all reality with so many thank you notes and emails being sent around the match and around rank lists, et cetera, it is unlikely, in my opinion, uh, that that one thank you note is going to be a huge difference maker. However, if the one chance that it is, I think it's going to be in that situation where you really struck a chord with that person on a specific topic, or there was something that stood out to them and you and you highlighted again, ultimately, the match 
is really one where there's so many remarkable people and whether your couple's matching or not who sit around a table and they then look at all these other remarkable people and they have way too many remarkable people to fit the number of, of spots. And that one difference maker of, you know what, that person talked about skiing. My family loves skiing and it just makes them bring you to top of mind is can be the difference maker. So I think in a thank you note, it's not just the thank you note, but that personal touch. And I would also draft my email either like in the Uber on the way to the airport or as soon as I got down, got to sit down at the gate at the airport, just because, you know, by sending the email by at the end of the same interview day, you're bringing yourself up again into that interviewer's mind. Um, and so when they're, you know, writing their summary about you or whatever they do in their uh, selection process, you know, you come to their mind yet again. And also in a way, when you are sending a thank you note, even if you do not end up at that program, they may recall you when you're looking for a job in the future, when you're looking for fellowship. So similar to what both of you said, you never know when someone's going to look at that personal account and think of you even a few years down the line. A hundred percent, especially in fields it, like orthopedic surgery that are incredibly small and are one person trained one person who knows this person and all of a sudden the entire east coast is covered and you're <laughs> it's kind of unbelievable to think about it that way but i had a similar experience recently where someone's like oh i can connect you to this this person all of a sudden the entire east coast was kind of like a known entity which is uh, you never know who people know, and you should always treat people with respect and be professional. And I think that's, that should be without being stated, but it should be emphasized nonetheless. And on that line, when thinking about the interconnectedness of everyone throughout the United States or on the East Coast, did either of you ask mentors to reach out to programs when you were putting together the rank order list at the end of January and February? I, yes, absolutely. You know, David and I pretty much had a rank list and I went to the chair of my department who I was rather close to. And uh, she essentially called whoever she knew at our top program. So, you know, I wouldn't necessarily do it for all, you know, 25 programs I interviewed at, but I would do it, you know, for, for the special ones, for sure. I, I would, I would certainly second that. I think the reason we are where we are is because of mentors and mentorship. It is uh, certainly something that is critical in the process, both educationally and as well as to try to get you to where you want to succeed. And as one of my mentors said is the goal of a mentor should be to take where they are and have you beat them in the time frame it took them to get there. So if you want to get to a certain place and they got to a place just that was not where they wanted to be, they should want to get you to that place today. And then if it took them five years, it should take you three years. And good mentors, even if they're at an institution that maybe isn't your first choice, will go out of your way for you. And we're just very fortunate because that's exactly what happened for both of us and why we were successful. Well, it sounds like both of you will be incredible mentors to your future mentees along the way. And so when you're putting together this rank order list, you get this advice from your mentors and it's still really stressful as you're trying to figure out where you want to go and what not necessarily fits only you, but also your partner's interests. So do you have any tips for ranking when going through the couples match process? 
Yeah. So David and I had kind of talked about it before I start, I started the interviews. Um, we kind of came up with like our, our number one goals that we wanted from the residency program. You know, mine was to, uh, be in a big academic center and, and David's was, uh, you know, a program that would support his endeavors in healthcare and healthcare policy and leadership. We went into that knowing each other's, you know, priorities, and then we kind of made separate rank lists. So every, I, I made a, a rank list for the programs I interviewed at and David did the same and we kept them kind of separate. You know, it wasn't a huge secret because, you know, if I had a great interview, I was, I kind of raved about it at the end of the day to David, but we, we kind of tried to keep our priorities up top and up front. And then, you know, at the end of the interview season, when we came together to create our shared rank list. Um, we went through the programs one by one by our individual rank lists and our priorities and, and kind of talked it out through that. Also keeping in mind each, each other's like primary priority. Well, you guys have shared with us so many tips to prepare for the couples match, which is such a stressful journey throughout this entire process. And so I'm curious if you have anything else that you would like to add about the couples match or about just interviewing in general for the residency. I think one of the things just to consider, um, and I think this is true, honestly, in medical education and as a medical student, as a resident as well, is you will micro review all your interactions yes and you will sit there and go oh that I said the and I should have said and or <laughs> I like all these things I think it's important to take a step back and remember that these interviewers are also one humans and people who also <laughs> have gone through this process and ultimately these interactions they're trying to get a general sense of who you are and the things you remember that are quote unquote, game changers and huge negatives are likely not in their grand scheme of evaluation. And so it's important to keep in mind that they're really looking for people who are genuinely good people who fit into the programs that they're at, who ultimately at the end of the day, when you call them at 3am for something that frankly is not a joy to be called about at 3am, that they're okay, and they trust you to call them and do the right thing. Ultimately, that's what they're looking for and they're looking for just good people. Um, and so these little, you're like, oh, I shouldn't have said that or that or this or, or whatnot uh, is likely not going to be either A, remembered or B, be as big of a deal as you think at the time. There are always exceptions, but it's yeah. in, in our opinion, I think that's important to keep in mind. Be yourself. That's great input because whether you wear a red tie, a green tie, a blue tie, or you say 10 ums or three ums, these are things which are not really going to make a difference in the grand scheme of it. So just relax. It's obviously easier to say at the tail end of this whole process when we're all residents, but it is something important and very important to recall. So you guys have shared a lot about medicine but I do want you to share a fun fact about each of you that is totally unrelated to pediatrics or orthopedic surgery. David and I actually met at a double AMC conference. So we found love through medical education <laughs> um, five years ago, almost. It's a little weird and it's a little nerdy, but you know, now we're getting married and double AMC can bring on some good things, not just ERAFs. <laughs> 
Well, you guys need to write a blog about that one. That is the story. So that's all the time we have today with David and Cake. Thanks for joining us at Inside the Match. Special thanks to Kevin McLeod for the music. And be sure to follow or subscribe to our podcast. Catch our next podcast to learn more application tips and hear from another awesome resident or a couple in medical education. 